Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 is back. Monday edition is here. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton, PK, out this week on family vacation. We are ready to go. Hopefully you're on vacation with all the the madness that's about to take place. Bracket breakdown coming up throughout today's show. Tom Brady is back in the headlines and back with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Discussion on that and much, much more. Will Wade has been fired at LSU. Meanwhile, Mike White's the new head coach at Georgia. Frank Martin has just been let go at South Carolina. There are a lot of headlines today across the board. You can join the chat in YouTube. Join the chat on Twitter. At Outkick360 is where you can find us. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, good afternoon. This is an exciting day in sports. Some would say today is mad. Uh, We have brackets to talk about, and Tom Brady (laughs) made it a little bit more mad last night when during the selection show, it's almost like Tom Brady... Doesn't like college basketball. 45 minutes after the brackets. Yeah, he just decided, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm not leaving, and I'm coming back. Uh, wild weekend of college basketball, not just on the court. A lot of outcomes we're going to talk about in conference championship games. A lot of things to get into with the brackets and the selection committee and everything else, but some craziness off the court with some of these firings and a big one also with Mike White leaving one SEC rival to go to another SEC rival in what I think is a brilliant move to get out ahead of the hot seat a year from now. For sure. Uh, Dan Dockich will join the show. He's on today at 320 Eastern, 420, or excuse me, 420 Eastern, 320 Central. Then at 420 Eastern, Brent Hubs of allquest.com with the latest on the Tennessee Vols, their matchup, uh, but more specifically their three seed. And that's where we start in just a moment. After a a quick uh, announcement and reminder, maybe you've seen on social media over the weekend, we're having our NCAA tournament watch party. We did it last year. It was our first big event without kick. We are bringing it back for Thursday and Friday this year, live on site at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, You can join us on the biggest screens in Nashville. All the games will be on. 360 is going to broadcast live. We'll be outside in the beer garden on Thursday and Friday. Live scoreboards reaction in in real time as these games tip off and will be fully underway by Thursday afternoon. It's going to be a blast. You can join us here with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and great food specials as well from White Duck Taco. Chad, it's going to be awesome. Uh, We invite anyone that's in town or will be around to, to stop by and, of course, tune in. And you can watch the show while you watch the games on your computer or laptop if you're at work. We'll keep you updated on everything going on with college basketball. We're going to be outside, and I don't know who's, who all has peeped that forecast for Thursday in Nashville. It's going to be spectacular. 70s, sunny, huge TV outside, huge TV insides, multiple TVs, 
Every game will be on at 6th and Peabody. Come join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you're watching, I can show you, but I'll also tell you about it. We have a specialty cocktail I am holding up right now, the 360. The 360 is the equivalent of a blackberry margarita, only much better. How do we know this? We sampled it before the show. The mixologist here, the resident mixologist at 6th and Peabody, brought us a sample. It's terrific. Those will be on special on Thursday and Friday. Hutton, we also have a, a beer, seasonal well, be- a beer. That's right. The, the new seasonal beer that will be out next week is the Hef from Yeehaw. This is available starting uh, this week, I should say, uh, right here at 6th and Peabody. And you can join us and get your hands on this with the, the beer specials that will be on hand for Thursday and Friday as well. It's going to be awesome. We invite you to join the Bracket Challenge. We filled out our brackets. We'll get to that. Uh, you can do that at outkick.com and get some great prizes, uh, including a $500 bar tab here at 6th and Peabody. Tickets to see Bill Burr, comedian Bill Burr at Bridgestone Arena. Uh, four tickets there in a suite uh, where we, we will be there as well. You can join us uh, in Nashville. Sign up at outkick.com or just follow us on Twitter at outkick360. Well, and a year ago, we had this watch party, and it was the official end of our first week yeah. at Outkick. So it's kind of a welcome celebration, and our listeners, viewers, turned out in bunches. It was terrific uh, to see uh, so many people here. This is now our one-year party uh, with this watch party on Thursday and Friday. So come party with us. Again, drink specials, food specials. We're going to have OutKick swag to pass out uh, for both days as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see a lot of people here. Not just Nashvillians. If you're within driving distance and can get down for this, please come join us. It's going to be a blast. So Tennessee gets a three seed in the tournament. And while we're certainly going to go through the brackets and a huge bracket breakdown, let's start with Tennessee getting a three seed, which across the nation is mentioned today as the biggest surprise with how Tennessee finished the season and how they just won the SEC tournament. And they went into the SEC tournament as a three seed. They leave as a three seed despite beating Kentucky, despite going three and one, against Kentucky and Auburn. I mentioned both of those teams because both of those teams are two seeds. And they also are behind Duke. The committee considers Duke among the top eight teams. Duke remains a two seed despite limping into the postseason. But Chad, I'll ask it from, from this perspective. If the biggest complaint of this bracket, and it all season long and really over the last month, we've, we've said on the show, it's a wide open tournament. That's Saturday where six or seven of the top-ranked 10 teams in the, in the country lost over a weekend stretch. This is a wide-open tournament. I think the bracket reflects that. Um, and I would say if the biggest complaint is Tennessee got a three-seed instead of a two-seed, it's a pretty, pretty good bracket, all things considered. But that's the most glaring issue I have with it. Well, I agree with you, and I think most years the committee gets it pretty close to right. I mean, we can always nitpick over the last few teams. And I say nitpicking. It's not nitpicking if you're a Texas A&M fan today because you're miserable not being in the tournament, and they have a valid gripe. Um, But, you know, if Notre Dame was left out or Indiana or one of these other teams, they would have a valid gripe as well. So I I get that part of it. Here's the big issue, though. The Tennessee conundrum – has opened the door to a much bigger issue. And Joe Lenardi, who I think most of the time does a really good job, Joe Lenardi is in an unwinnable situation when he is tasked with going on television 
and carrying water for the NCAA selection committee. And that is what he was doing all weekend. He is texting Carl Ravitch and Jimmy Dykes during the SEC championship, during the Tennessee win over Kentucky. And they are saying, I do not get how Tennessee, three and one against two two seeds, Kentucky and Auburn, one and oh against the number two seed in the whole damn tournament in Arizona, how they are still a three seed. And Joe Lenardi's text him saying, I'm telling you guys, they're not moving. They're a three seed. Where is Joe Lenardi getting that? Well, straight from the straight from the committee. Straight from and, the selection committee who had figured out by Friday night or probably uh, the week before the tournament started. I would started. say Tuesday. The, the bracket, for the most part, looks as though it was done Tuesday yes. when you see the seeds of how teams match up and where they're placed. It looks as though everything was filled out on Tuesday and teams like Virginia Tech, um, you know, Richmond, those teams are placed in whenever they win their tournament. But if you don't have if you don't have to win your conference tournament to get in, the conference tournament doesn't matter. As much as they want to sell that to us, conference tournaments don't matter. And yesterday's selection show is a great reflection of that. Well, let me say this: I am thrilled that Tennessee. I'm a Tennessee alum. I'm thrilled Tennessee won the SEC tournament for the first time since '79. It felt great for a team I really follow to win a title in any way. It, it was terrific. So I'm glad they won the SEC tournament. But here opens up the bigger issue now with what Joe Lenardi is saying and what the selection committee is saying by acting on Tennessee to put them in a three seed and not a two seed, or as Jay Billis and others argued, a number one seed. The argument should be about one versus two, not two versus three. Rick Barnes just had his media availability. Guess what Rick Barnes said? This is a lesson for everyone to rest your starters in conference tournaments. He's right. It It was pointless. He's not saying the title was pointless to his guys and his program. But he said that the message is pretty simple. If you are securely in the tournament, you might as well rest your guys for an extra week and let your conference have some other team play their way in. Because Tennessee, you find out after the fact, which I was shocked A&M wasn't in, Tennessee blocked A&M from the NCAA tournament. Well, they weren't close to getting in. By enough. winning that game. They weren't, by losing the game, they weren't close. They were the, they were the next f- four out, right? They were, the la- they were the fourth of the next four out. Yeah. So Dayton was the first team out. This is not what the conferences want. Because this was a very entertaining weekend. I watched the ACC tournament in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Watch that scene when Virginia Tech wins. Watch their fans. Watch their players. Watch the emotion. They wouldn't have been in. Listen to Inner Sandman playing in that arena and people going crazy. Um, That was cool. These, These conference tournaments matter. They should matter. And they should matter to everyone, including the selection committee. Well, Chad, And I don't understand... I thought um, it was Reese Davis in Bracketology who was interviewing his colleague, Joe Lenardi, and Lenardi states, guys, Sunday of these tournaments have never mattered. They don't matter to the slush committee. And Reese Davis jumped in and said, well, what about Saturday? I'm not talking about Sunday's win over I'm talking about Saturday's win over Kentucky where Tennessee didn't budge and Kentucky didn't budge at that point. That is where Tennessee has a gripe, and it's not just about Tennessee. It's college basketball has a gripe. If you want the conference tournaments to matter for the teams that are already in, then make it matter. And don't just look past it because there has not been one good argument made by anyone, including selection committee members, about Tennessee being a three and not a two. The, Joe Lenardi well, is saying because they were lower in the pecking order for most of the year, that's why they're going to stay at three. I, I, do, I, I will preface all of this by saying the vast majority of people complaining about this, don't pay attention to college basketball until after the Super Bowl. That's just a fact when you look at these these television ratings. Um, With that being said, the committee 
supposedly watches the entire season. So I do take that into account as they put these seeds out there. However, on February 19th, here are the seeds that the committee put out. Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Kansas were your ones. Baylor, Kentucky, Purdue, and Duke were your twos. Mix and match however you want. That's your tournament. And, and it bothers me that the bracket is filled out on Tuesday when I envision these guys uh, and women sitting in this committee meeting on Sunday and Saturday watching all these conference championships play out and the national media and, and us pretending like it matters, like, like the result of that final shot is going to mean a hill of beans for, for the, the, the team that already knows they're in as an at-large. Unless you have to win that game, you don't have to win that game. And that's what the committee's telling. I hate that because that's the message that's been sent. And, and meanwhile, I mean, for, for the last few seasons, several seasons, decade, all of these different ratings, these Ken Palm and strength of schedule and net and uh, quadric, one, quadric one wins, uh, Q2 wins, when you start comparing all of these stats to twos and three seeds and see the lopsided effect that it has, where Tennessee by far is a, has a better resume than Duke based on results, but yet the committee doesn't reflect that in the bracket, it's confusing to me uh, because I, I feel like we, we preach one thing and then on Sunday night going into today, we're having to reflect a bracket that doesn't reflect what we thought it should based on the criteria that that everyone covering the game goes by. Well, you brought up the, the net rankings. So the net is, it's the old, they still have RPI and BPI and all of that, but the net is the metric that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, they combine a lot of things and turn it into net ranking, which is the one they go by the most. Do you have it? Do you have Duke Tennessee, Tennessee? Tennessee is seventh, Auburn 11th, Duke 12th, Purdue 13th, Wisconsin 24th. All of these teams ranked ahead of Tennessee even though Purdue and Wisconsin both on that three line as three seeds with Tennessee. You know, and then you have uh, ESPN pushing the Quadric one wins. And I, I mean, Tennessee had 11 well, I'm gonna, of those. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll keep going. Duke I've got, had six. I've got all of it here. Yeah, Tennessee with 11, Auburn with eight, Duke six, Purdue eight, Wisconsin nine. Tennessee didn't have a single bad loss all year. They were undefeated at home, which somehow now is just a big negative. Oh, they were undefeated at well, home, and that, that helped us get... Well, well they kinda, also beat Kentucky on a neutral court. Well, they're unbeaten at home just like half of the SEC felt like they were unbeaten at home. Well, uh, yeah, That hurts them, the and it also four, hurts them The top that, four was 35-1 and one right, at home. Right, So if everyone's doing it, it doesn't help the one team that is, is pointing to it because others have. It also doesn't help that all the top teams lost on the same day because those teams didn't move around all that much. They didn't hop over anyone because the team in front of them also lost. So I, I understand how they're trying to view it and spin it that way. Uh, and, and again, I, but there I, is there I, is no. This is the crazy part about this, Hutton. And I maybe you've seen it, and I haven't. I've watched a lot of analysis on this. I've heard every talking head to talk about it. There has not been one good defense. No, I saw a member of the committee when Gary Parish asked him on CBS Stream about it. He compared Tennessee to Wisconsin which no one's comparing Tennessee to Wisconsin. They're both three seeds. Well, and Wisconsin didn't finish the season the way Tennessee did. And here's what's going to bother people that are college basketball fans in general that think that, you know, well, Duke gets the benefit of the doubt. No one dares compares Tennessee to Duke on that selection committee or even Joe Lenardi. Joe Lenardi said, and I quote, 
well, Duke is Duke, and they're not going to move them from the two seat. What? And even admits, I mean, we could compare resumes and Tennessee would compare favorably. Not compare favorably. They have a better resume. And I don't want to hear from another one of our listeners that keeps tweeting me, well, look at the talent between Duke and Tennessee, and you tell me who's more talented. It is not their not job to judge talent. It is your job to look at every metric available, watch the team play, and look at their resume and what they've done. We're not in a beauty contest. It is what have you done, what have you done lately has always been a part of this also. Well, the problem, Tennessee though, has been great lately. They've been the best team in America, you could argue, over the last month and a half of the season. Chad, and this conference tournament, you're right about this also, Hutton. This conference tournament, this shined a light on Tennessee. People aren't watching all the games. They haven't watched Tennessee all year, but Tennessee now is in the spotlight but because everyone just saw them roll through right. the SEC tournament. Right. Not just win, but roll through the SEC tournament. They got a late scare against Kentucky when they were up double digits, but they won easily in this conference tournament, which is, by the way, ranked as the best basketball conference in America this year. So that is where issues arise. And I don't want to hear Joe Lenardi. This is what I'll end on this, and then we'll get on to something else, I promise. I do not want to hear Joe Lenardi stand on television and tell America that what are we really arguing about here, guys? It's the difference in jersey color in the regional game between Tennessee and Villanova because it should be two versus three, and one's going to play the other. You cannot make that argument. When you start in November putting a bracket out and telling everyone how important it is and putting on your ticker when a loss for a team drops them from the one to a two line or the two to a three or the three to a four, and then on Selection Sunday come back and say, guys, what are we talking about? It's just a different jersey color they're going to well, wear when they play each other. No, it's not. It makes your route more difficult to get to that game where you're wearing a different jersey color. That's why it's important. But you, you said it's not a beauty contest. It's not when you look at the resumes. But I, 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 so, I, I wholeheartedly believe that the committee looks at potential matchups to come. And you can't tell me that Duke being a two and Michigan State is a seven and where they're, where they're placed was not thought about and discussed in the committee. That, that's the beauty of the matchup. They're looking ahead where you have Shashevsky go against Izzo. Um, the one thing they didn't do for Duke, Shashevsky had lobbied if they were going to be a one, he wanted to be in the Midwest so he could end in Chicago and, before they went on to the Final Four. So the one thing they didn't do was put him in the Midwest. But... Again, I, I, if you start to look at potential matchups, absolutely they put Duke as a two so they can face Michigan State for the television rating. Well, I agree, and they, they definitely – I mean, Kentucky playing Murray State, a team they won't schedule in the second round possibly, that is done on purpose. Well, that, they also screwed Murray State and San Francisco by having the two mid-majors who have a chance to make a run face each other and then face off against Kentucky in the second round. I'll also say you could have easily, and again, this kind of comes back to laziness. They had it set, and they didn't want to move too much, so they knew their bracket last week and didn't want to change it. You could have easily made Duke a three, Michigan State a six, sure. Colorado State a seven if you wanted that matchup and put Michigan State opposite Duke in a 6-11 game and Duke as the 3-14 game and made Tennessee a two seed and then Colorado State, their next round opponent, possibly as a seven seed. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat if you want to get that matchup. And, I'm, and not, I'm all of them, not all of them have to involve publicly admitting that Sunday in a conference championship doesn't matter, which they just did. They did. They absolutely did. Hit us up on Twitter uh, if you agree, disagree, at Outkick360. You can do the same on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube by subscribing to the channel. 
uh, coming up, we will go region by region, which I think top to bottom, it's a fairly, really, really good bracket uh, where you have some potential matchups that are hard to, to pick going into the Sweet 16. I think the committee overall did a good job. And I think case in point is the biggest complaint is whether or not a team should be a two or three seed. We're not discussing, uh, you know, Baylor's a controversial number one when you consider what they're doing. If you want to just call this a beauty contest, they've lost a lot throughout the season. They're banged up. And yet they remain the number one despite not winning their tournament. Um, we'll get into all the details of it and maybe some upset picks along the way. Dan Dockich will join us. Uh, he is on today at 320 Central, 420 Eastern. Plus, Tom Brady is back, and NFL free agency is underway. The very latest straight ahead. First, though, March Madness, 30 to 1 offer from FanDuel.com. You can bet $5 to win 150 in, on site credits, regardless if your bet wins or loses with this offer from FanDuel.com slash OK360. $5. And this is available for you in site credit 150, regardless if you win or lose your March Madness bet at 30 to 1 odds. To claim new users, you just register, you make a first-time deposit, then simply place your first real money wager on FanDuel Sportsbook on any March Madness game during the tournament. All winning bets will be fulfilled within 72 hours. Again, go to FanDuel.com slash OK360 for more. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. With Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine from 6th and Peabody. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Chad, we've got the Bracket Challenge going on at Outkick.com. Some great prizes involved. And we need everyone listening and viewing to sign up. Yeah, story's up at, uh, at Outkick.com. We've tweeted out the link also. Uh, it's through NCAA.com. Sign up for the Outkick.com Bracket. Great prizes. We can discuss the prizes, Yeah, absolutely. Right? $500 bar tab right here at 6th and Peabody at 7th and Peabody. Private, exclusive bar. It will be yours for you and your friends. You get the rental and you get the $500 bar tab. You get the space. You get the bar tab. Uh, we've got great gift packages available. We've got four suite tickets to Bill Burr, one of my favorite comedians, uh, in the Two Rivers Ford suite for a winner also. It's um, some terrific prizes. So look, this is the way, this is my sales pitch. You ready for this, Hutton? 
the big time sales pitch, you're going to fill out a bracket anyways. Just do it with us. Wow. It's that simple. It's like when we have those offers from FanDuel, and I say, if you haven't done this already, to just collect why free money, you? why haven't you yet? I'll say the same thing. Look, I like the old, the old school paper, right? I like to carry my bracket with me. If you see me Thursday or Friday, <laughs> you come to watch party, you'll see me with this piece of paper. But if you're going to do this, very easy to go on your phone, go on your computer, just fill out that bracket with us, and you could win some great prizes. It's that simple. Tom Brady is back. He announces this 45 minutes after the final bracket was announced yesterday. Um, and I did a double take with uh, the, the tweet where he announces that I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business. LFG. Um, let's bleeping go. Chad, this is, a, this is a player, the greatest of all time. 22 seasons, seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs, three league MVPs. I, I can keep going. All these countless records. He's saying after that unfinished business, after all of those accomplishments, going into year 23, and he was out, what, 41 days officially with the retirement? We had joked about two weeks ago whenever he had had that quote um, with Jim Gray or someone else where he had that quote that said, you know, I, I retired. I, my goal was to spend time with my family, and I've done that. And, you know, it, mission accomplished. It's all in how you read the, read the sentence because we didn't hear him say it. But the way he said it to me was like, I've spent time for the last five weeks with my family, and they're tired of me. I'm, I'm ready for football. I had and one goal back. this offseason, spend time with my family, and I've done that. I Chad, did that goal, and I did it well. The, the greatest players sometimes walk away, and they can handle it, right? I've often wondered how a guy like Barry Sanders is able to do that uh, at, at such a, when he's playing at such a high level, or Calvin Johnson. I'm using two players who play for the Detroit Lions, and maybe that's the, the whole issue here. But They were so happy to be done. Yeah. But with, with Brady... It is. If it wasn't clear before, it's clear now. He will not retire from the game. The game will retire him. That that's what's going to happen here because the guy is driven to perform and play. And I mean, it wasn't even. We weren't even close to OTAs. We weren't close to. We're far away from training camp. Far away from putting pads on and players reporting. There's nothing going on but free agency right now, and he's already feeling the magnetic. The gravity pulling him towards the NFL again that quickly. Um, I'm here for it though. Like I, I'm going to have to pay Paul back the hundred dollars and then give him an extra hundred because I had that bet with him that either Brady or Rogers would not be back with their team. Brady quickly retired shortly after, and Paul paid up. Um, I I hate saying this. I'm, I'll happily pay because I'm not ready for Brady to be done. I'm not ready for the quarterback era of the past twenty years to be complete. Uh, Roethlisberger steps aside. He's done. And you, there's a finality to it, right? You can see how the game retired Ben Roethlisberger. Brady's far from done based on this, based on this tweet. And, and I think immediately people thought, oh, he's coming back and he's going to play for San Francisco. No, not with the way Tampa was responding to that either. And this immediately puts the Bucks squarely in place for a Super Bowl run. And if you're him, Chad... If you're looking at the landscape of quarterback play across the league and you see the NFC, I mean, it's you and Rodgers. That's it. So 
my father-in-law's in town from Nebraska, and we were talking about this this morning. He said, you know, what's, what's up with this guy? Like, what, why retire to go do something else and, and then come back? And I just had to look at him and say, because Tom Brady's not us. <laughs> yeah. different. That's right. A different cat. He is of a different breed. He is of a different mindset. And if he can physically compete and lay it on the line, that guy is going to do just that. So this does not surprise me. I said all along, I thought when his re- retirement, quote-unquote, got scooped by ESPN, I don't think he wanted to announce it quite yet. Um, I-, I think there was a lot of hesitation. It was a weird 48-hour period where Adam Schefter had the report, which was right. And then two days later, Tom Brady finally admits it via Instagram. I love the symmetry of the two announcements. He announces his retirement on social media, and there's that photo, I think it's at, looking at the ocean, and it was Tom Brady, Giselle, and the kids. And it's their backsides. And Tom Brady has his hand on the backside of Giselle, his wife. The next shot when he unretires is Tom Brady playing football with the family separate without Tom in the photo looking out into the distance, right? Um, there, was some, there was some symbolism with that, some symmetry with those two announcements. Look, I think Tom, Tom Brady loves his family. There's going to be a lot of jokes about, you know, he spent time with the family and decided that was enough and got back to it. I don't think it's anything like that. And I'm clearly I joking think Tom, when I say that. Absolutely. But. And I, I'm going to make lots of jokes about that like I just did. Don't, don't you worry, Hutton. I'll continue to joke about it. But the dude loves to compete. If it was anything, he would have a hard time giving it up. It just happens to be football. This guy played baseball. If this guy was the CEO of an oil company, he is the type of dude that cannot give it up. Is not going to give it up as long as there's something to compete, someone to compete against, and something to win. So this does not surprise me one bit. And th- you throw on top of that, Hutton, the guy led the league in passing yards and touchdowns. Right. There was no reason for him but physically he's or go- play-wise to stop. It's just a – you're right. It's a different mentality because we're not Tom Brady. You're absolutely right on that. I'll also say you mentioned the social media posts and how things got announced after Schefter and Darlington had the story. That also played a factor for me in my line of thinking. While he retired, there was no, there was no send-off with this. There was not a finality to it. There was always the crack in the door. And upon, you know, immediately upon that statement being that he released on social media 40 days ago, a couple months ago, we were on here saying, like, yeah, absolutely, we're going to continue to mention him as a possibility whenever the season rolls around. As a, as a guy who could come out of retirement and continue to play. Because uh, the greatest of all time is going to go out with more than just a quick statement on social media after the career that he had. Both with the Patriots, which there was really not much mention of, and with the Bucks. I I'm here for it, though. I'm glad it's not over. I'm glad we at least get one more season of the, the Tom Brady ride and the push to another championship because it makes the league better. The league is, is going to be fine without him, but the league is better with him, um, especially whenever he's going to be 45 years old whenever the season kicks off, and he's coming off one of the best seasons ever statistically in his career. So here we go. Buckle up. Brady's back. Yeah, I was bummed when he announced his retirement because I wanted to keep seeing him play. You know, the, you, t- you said it, Hutton, the league kind of retires you. I loved it when Peyton Manning announced his retirement because it was perfect. He went out on top. He clearly physically wasn't able to do the things he was the majority right. of his career. He had a defense that carried him. So what? You know, he did what it took to win a Super Bowl in his final game. It was the perfect ending 
I wasn't sad. I love Peyton Manning. I wasn't sad when Peyton Manning retired because I'm thinking that's the perfect ending for Peyton Manning to win a second Super Bowl with a second team and doing it that way and to walk out on top. Tom Brady retiring 48 hours after his own retirement was scooped by Adam Schefter just never felt right. That won't happen again. It never felt right. It felt uneasy. He was so good this past year, still putting up great numbers. So I'm, I'm thrilled that he's back. The sports fan in me, football fan, is thrilled he's back. Uh, the champ in our YouTube chat says, Tom Brady's retirement lasted 40 days. So Tom Brady gave up football for Lent, <laughs> which is pretty accurate. Chad, it's funny that you mentioned Peyton Manning because 10 years ago today, Peyton Manning was in Nashville and the Brady watch was on and everyone was camped out as he was approaching watch, yeah. Baptist Sports Park over there That's at the right. time. And, we're in, and then the very next day he signs with the Denver Broncos. That's right. That was 10 years ago today? 10 years ago today. I know this because it popped up in my Facebook memories because when he was in town, everyone was like on the lookout for Peyton Manning. And I, and I tongue-in-cheek, firmly in my cheek, tweeted out that I saw him at the Grilled Cheesery, which is a food <laughs> truck in Nashville, a popular food truck. People thought that was serious, and it made national headlines that he was in town and eating at a food truck. That's amazing. Did people show up to the Grilled Cheesery? Yes. Did the Grilled Cheesery yes, give you they free did. grilled cheese for no, life they did for not. helping their no, business? No, they did not. They will now. They, uh, they should. Time for back pay. It yeah. is. Hey, pay up. <laughs> Whoever's manning the Grilled Cheesery truck right now, they have a physical location also. That's enough about grilled cheese because now I'm getting hungry. But bottom line, Hutton, um, it, it's, a, it's a great thing for the NFL. Yeah. This is a, it's a great day, great night for the NFL that Tom Brady is coming back. That was my first reaction after thinking Tom Brady either loves college basketball or hates it that he would do this on college basketball's night, but at least he waited until after the selection show was over. Coming up, our full bracket breakdown. We're going to do this throughout today's show. We'll also do that with Dan Dockett, who's going to join us in about 40 minutes. Looking forward to that convo. Uh, but when we come back, we start with the West region and the number one overall seed and the potential second-round matchup for Gonzaga. That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sign up for the OutKick Bracket Challenge today. OutKick.com or you can follow us on social media for the link. Outkick 360, uh, and also go to the radio station website uh, that you're currently listening to as well, like sportsradio1047.com, somosportsradio.com, foxsportshoals.com, all available through the websites if you would like to participate in the Outkick Bracket Challenge. Um, my bracket's already busted, I can go ahead and tell you that, but it's all, uh, all in great fun, and you can join us. Uh, Chad, let's we'll start the West bracket as we begin our, our bracket breakdown as we head to the 2022 Final Four in New Orleans. And up top, the number one overall seed, Gonzaga, taking on Georgia State. And Gonzaga will play the winner of Boise State-Memphis, which I think is an intriguing bracket, uh, top half of the bracket here, because right below them, you've got Arkansas, UConn, New Mexico State, and Vermont. And I don't know about you. I've got, I've got Gonzaga falling fairly quickly in my bracket this year. As uh, 
I don't think it's going to be chalk. I, I, I was leaning that way as I began to fill up my bracket. And as I started going through the matchups, I have Arkansas making a run. I have Arkansas making a big run. And we'll get to that in a moment. But what do you think about the Zags and the potential matchup that we could see against Memphis? I, I love that matchup. And that is a tricky one for Gonzaga because for uh, an eight seed in Memphis, they have as much talent as anyone out there. So that's going to be a tough game. And I, and I like Memphis against Boise State. Boise State, very good team. Different that they're going to take it down, it, you know what? down to the shot clock every time. This feels they like they want a, to play in the forties. This feels like a Birmingham Bowl matchup, <laughs> Boise State Memphis, like yeah. uh, December twentieth. Oh, uh, the Birmingham Bowl would be thrilled to have that matchup. Uh, you know that that would be a good one for them. Yeah, it, it's contrasting styles a bit with Memphis and Boise State. Uh, I like Memphis. I, I like Gonzaga. I'm, I'm. I don't want to spoil too much. I really like the Zags. Okay. Uh, I liked them a year ago. Also, they went down to the national championship game. Uh, maybe this is part of me just thinking Mark Few has had the teams to break through and win that title. He's gotten so close. A year ago, got that game played very poorly against Baylor and the, lost. 2017, gets to the, the national championship game against North Carolina and, and loses. So I'm expecting a breakthrough at some point. I'm with you on this, just looking at the top half of the East, Hutton. Vermont over Arkansas is going to be a very trendy pick. And Vermont is very good. Vermont won the America East Championship game. They're a top over Maryland, Baltimore County type of team by 39 points. They won their conference championship game by 39 points this weekend. They're they're good. Arkansas is only a five point favorite in that game for it's a, a four over 13. For, it's a tough draw for Arkansas. It's very tough. I I, I think that's going to be overhyped though. I think Arkansas wins. I like Arkansas to the Sweet 16. I think New Mexico State's going to be a popular 12 over five. Also, I'm going to say UConn in that one. Um, I'm with you in that I like Arkansas-Gonzaga getting out of the first weekend, the top half of that bracket. Well, and then, so, uh, Gonzaga, to me, not as experienced as they were a year ago, and they're not as good defensively as they were a year ago, just comparing the two teams. And I'm going back on what I said last year. I was high on Gonzaga last year. I thought that was the year. Um, and I mean, they were a win away. But I, I'm... I'm taking one of these lower-ranked teams to knock them out uh, before we even reach the Elite Eight. I've got Arkansas going to the Elite Eight against Texas Tech. Uh, and, yes, I have Duke falling to Texas Tech. I think they get past Michigan State. How do you feel about the Blue Devils? Because Duke gets the two-seed in the West, um, and they should be a three, right? So, that's a, to me, that's a light two. It sets up well for Gonzaga, but I think it sets up well for a team like Arkansas to make a run if they can get past the Zags in the Sweet 16. Well, you know, we talked about Duke. We, we've compared Duke and Tennessee a lot uh, with the two and three. I'll say this about Duke. They're more talented than Tennessee. I watched their game against Virginia Tech Saturday night. But unlike Tennessee, Duke defensively is going to do so many things over the course of a game that is going to make you want to pull your hair out. There are effort plays they yeah. miss. There are common sense defensive assignments they miss over the course of a game. Uh, that scares me with Duke in tournament play, but they're so talented. And, and Boncaro is a, not, a, a, a matchup nightmare for anyone. Anyone. There's no one in this tournament that matches up well with Boncaro. So I actually like Duke in this tournament. I think Davidson is going to be the second-round draw. I, I, I know they want Izzo. Davidson's better than Michigan State. They're a great offensive team, one of the best offensive efficiency teams in the tournament. I like an all-North Carolina second-round matchup with Duke and Davidson and Duke getting out of that. Um, 
I really like some of these play-in potential games for teams. Rutgers being one of them. I think Rutgers wins against Notre Dame. I think Rutgers beats Alabama. I don't have Bama getting and gets out of the that first second round. round. I've got Rutgers winning against Alabama, uh, and I've got Texas Tech in their defensive prowess one of the things against that, Duke in the Sweet 16. One of the things that stood out to me yesterday with the selection show and then coverage beyond that, just look, and it started here in this, in this region, um, the respect that the national media has for the SEC. I'm buying Arkansas. I'm not buying Auburn. We'll get to them in a moment. And I'm not buying Alabama based on trends and recent play. And I mean, Alabama's resume, they've beaten conference champions. They got several of them. If you go down through their schedule, they played a very tough schedule and they've rattled off some wins. Um, they beat Gonzaga and Houston. Yeah, that, it, that's, it, well, that's carrying got, a lot of weight. And they have other champs uh, on, their, on their hit list as well. But it's, to me, unlike the committee, I do weigh how you've played as of late. And Alabama's limped to the finish line in all this. I mean, that they nearly lost to Bama, or they nearly lost to Vandy in uh, the, the season finale. And then we saw what happened to Bama in the conference tournament. They're just so. Uh, they're erratic. It's difficult because they're so hit or miss. Yeah. And they've been missed lately. I love their coach. And not as much hit. So that gives me some pause. So I, I, yeah, love I, don't, Oaks, I don't have them getting out of the first round either. Same. Um, but they're also the type of team that if they're hot in the first round, they could easily go to the Elite Eight. And we could all look like fools because they are they are a streak team, regardless. But I, I I don't like the streak they've been on lately. I am letting Texas Tech and what they did last year play a factor in my picks for them this year too, um, where I have them in the Elite Eight against Arkansas. Texas Tech is a who do you tough have Gonzaga playing in the Elite Eight matchup? I've got Gonzaga Duke in the Elite Eight. I, I like Duke's talent again, though. Just watch that second half against Virginia Tech. And if you love basketball, you will not like Duke defensively in that second half. Look at them against Carolina. Yes. But I like their draw. I mean, they're going to beat Cal State Fullerton. Um, I I think Davidson is going to be able to score some points, but they're not going to be able to check Duke defensively. And then Texas Tech, that's that's the trendy pick. I noticed Seth Davis last night was even saying Texas Tech is going to be the worst matchup for Duke, a veteran team that knows how to defend the way they know how to defend where it's going to be so tough for Duke, and they're not good at responding when things get tough over the course of a game, I, I, I'll take Duke's talent in that game. I think they have the ability to score enough where they'll beat Texas Tech and get to the Elite Eight, but I, I've got Gonzaga in that game. UConn or New Mexico State for you? That was another one, I, a trendy upset pick. that uh, I, I went with New Mexico State. Maybe it's just because I love Danny Hurley hyping up the crowd so much and getting a technical for doing so (laughs) and getting tossed from a game after his first technical that I'm I'm blinded by that because of how much I loved it that I picked UConn. I think that's going to be another overhyped 12 over 5. I I like UConn in that game. I think it's going to be a great game between UConn and Arkansas in round two. I I love that matchup, but I've got UConn surviving. A lot of people looked at this bracket and said the West is loaded. You've got Duke, Texas Tech, on top of the fact that the number one overall seed with Gonzaga is there. Uh, Arkansas is a a very live four. Um, And and then you have some some well-known programs like Michigan State and and others uh, scattered throughout the the, the region. But Chad, I I look at, I I think this is where one of the the four-seater belows breaks through uh, as they make a run to the final four. And I think this is a great description of how well this bracket is, is paired with, with talent because there are a lot of, for me, whenever I'm, uh, my initial gut feeling is, okay, how old are some of these teams? Like New Mexico State, 
uh, Davidson. How many upperclassmen are on these teams? Because that plays a factor in round one upsets for me. There are a lot of teams like that this year. A lot of them. Because of COVID, because of the extra year, because of the transfer portal. Teams have loaded up and don't necessarily look exactly the same as they did a year ago with guys just either off to graduation and being replaced by someone on the bench. Uh, because of that, I think it's, it's even more difficult to pick out how things are going to play out. We'll get to the other uh, brackets uh, coming up throughout the show. Uh, Dan Dockich is going to join us in about 25 minutes. A uh, quick reminder, you can go to outkick.com and participate in the bracket challenge. Um, outkick.com's got it for you. You can also just follow us on Twitter for the link. We're about to send it out again where uh, you fill it out and some great prizes can be had, including uh, prize packs here at 6th and Peabody for the Outkick 360 studio uh, party where you'll end up with a private bar access for up to two hours plus a $500 bar tab with Old Smoky and Yeehaw Beer. Um, you've got that at, at your leisure. You can schedule that out. Also, uh, Chad, we've got four tickets in the Two Rivers Ford Suite at Bridgestone Arena to see Bill Burr. That's coming up in late April. Uh, one of the best comedians out there. He'll be in Nashville in late April. You can win that prize as well. Plus, tons of uh, T-shirts, hats, and other gear from both OutKick and from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And just hop in there. You're, you're filling out five or six of these anyway, sometimes more. Um, if you treat it like fantasy football, you're, you're doing multiple brackets. Fill one out and, and have a chance to win a prize. Outkick.com or through Twitter at Outkick360. Um, and if, if nothing else, you get bragging rights. Oh, and we should mention, you get your picture in studio uh, with us in the backdrop. More yeah, bragging we, rights we, there. We get your picture and put the picture up in the backdrop? Yeah. Of the person? Yes. With us or just any well, picture Well, it can be with want. us or a, a headshot of them with a, with a trophy I, or whatever I, I look, they want. I look forward to the creativity. Of what the picture looks like of the winner. What if Dockage goes wins? in the studio? Dockage is in. Uh, Dockage would then be forced to put our picture up in his home <laughs> studio. It'll be the reverse. If I mean, we happens. did hire him, according to the Indianapolis Star. We did. You're welcome. <laughs> we sign his checks. Headlines when we return. NFL free agency in full effect. Details coming up. <laughs> 